0: Hey guys, welcome to downtown Harvard Church. My name is John Garip. If you're listening online, I'm the executive director. And the reason you're hearing my voice today is because, as Adam said earlier, we believe it's just so important for people to hear from multiple communicators, particularly when it comes from the church. And again, if you just arrived late, I just want to apologize for the inconvenience with the parking. We actually prepaid for spots, and it was just a hot mess out there. So uh, you know, if you made it here, you endured, and you get extra points today. So we are in the middle of a series called six things over time and if you're brand new to the church you haven't been here yet we're talking about these things whether they're emotions or their activities whatever the case may be these six things we believe that they in the life of a child can change the direction of that child and so a couple of weeks ago we started off by talking about pardon me here stand by, folks 936 marbles and you see the whole Series, we believe that the whole series can be pictured by using this jar of marbles. So now inside of this jar, there are 936 marbles. The reason there are 936 marbles is that it symbolizes the fact that there are 936 weeks between the time a child is born and when the, time the child graduates high school. And we believe that it is during these 936 weeks that parents and adults can have a tremendous amount of influence in the life of that kid or teenager. And so time is just so important. We wish that we could take credit for this idea of watching their time, but it actually comes from Scripture. It comes from Psalm 90, verses 12, and it says this, Teach us to number our days, that it may give us a heart of wisdom. And so the thing is this, When you begin to look at time, when you begin to look at time, we say here at DHC that parents and kids and adults, you need to invest time over time in the life of a child. And time invested over time actually creates history. And hopefully, the time that you invested over time creates a history that's worth repeating. The next week, we talked about this thing called words, and words are just so important, so powerful, and the Bible says so many things about words. It talks about the power of the tongue and what it can do. And we know that the words can either build a child up or can tear a child out. And so last week or two weeks ago, we said, here's our challenge to you. We want to challenge you guys to weigh what you say. Weigh what you say, particularly when you talk to a kid, and not just when you talk to a kid. Weigh what you say when you're talking around a kid, because a kid is listening. And you see, words over time in the life of a kid or a teenager gives direction in their life. And we believe that if you can speak words of truth and words of wisdom, that you can set that kid on an incredible path of success. And then last week, we talked about love. And I don't know if you were here, but Christina Florio, she spoke. She's our family's ministry director. And she just knocked it out of the park. She did so well. And, you know, she told us that love, when you invest love in, an, in a child's life over the course of time, love gives them a sense of worth. And I just have to say, she did a great job. Many of you folks don't realize this, but that was actually her first time giving a message and she killed it. And you know, the fact of the matter is that as a coworker of hers, as a boss, if you will, and as a fellow Christian or Jesus follower, whatever the term you want to use, I was just so glad to see that she did so well. Because when a speaker does well, when the content is presented well, we're all the beneficiaries of it. And so she just she did a great job. We're so proud of her. But you know, we're transparent here at DHC. And so while the Christian to me was really so happy that she did well. The New Jersey in me was actually kind of hoping that she would bomb, because I knew I was speaking this week, and I figured, well, she does a terrible job, and like, I'm certainly going to look good, but you know, she did well, and listen, I just want to be truthful. She did well, and we're proud of her, and you know, whatever, we're going to get through this. So the last three weeks, we talked about time, we talked about words, we talked about love. These are all so hugely important and impactful in the life of kids, and today we're talking about something that I believe is incredibly important. I believe it's incredibly important in the life of a kid because Jesus, as he walked this earth, this is the method that he used beyond anything else in his life. And he talked about stories. And we believe that stories are just so incredibly important. And the fact of the matter is that which one of us doesn't really love a good story? I mean, mean, first of all, you've seen people that are terrible at telling a story, but we all love a good story. And, And if you're not a big reader, which... Some of you aren't, and that's okay. We all love TV. We all love Netflix. We all love movies. I mean, I can honestly say that there's probably not at least a week that doesn't go by where someone, one of my friends, goes, all right, listen, we're out of shows. What do you got? We need a show on Netflix. I've watched Breaking Bad. I've watched Bloodlines. We know we've watched all the Law and Orders. I just can't. What do you got? I need something. And the fact of the matter is that we're kind of like drug addicts. We're kind of looking for like the next hit. Like, I need a show. What do you got? I need a show. And so I don't know what you're watching. I don't know if you're finally getting around to watching Breaking Bad, but for me, here's the deal. I have fallen in love, and I should probably say I'm enslaved, by this brand new show called Westworld. I don't know if you've seen this. I don't know if you have HBO. But let me just briefly talk about Westworld. And if you're a kid, this is not a show for you, so ask your parents if you can watch it. Westworld is kind of like Jurassic Park. It's kind of like Jurassic Park, but the difference is that instead of dinosaurs, scientists have created 100% accurate, human let's call it robots and you can go and you can pay forty thousand dollars a day to go to this amusement park this west world and it's the wild west and when you're there you can literally do whatever you want there are no rules there are no regulations there is no let's call it god watching your actions and it's so i just think it's a tremendous show that really talks about when no one's looking How are you as a human going to act? And I just think that's a tremendous story about integrity. So important here because here at DHC, Adam and I always say, we want to make sure that we say the same things to everybody. That we are in private the same we are in public. And that's why that show is just so great. So, but today we're not talking about Westworld, although I wish we are. We're kind of talking about stories that we read and stories that we tell. So, it's important, first of all, to talk about stories that adults read to kids. Let me ask you a question. When you were growing up, did your parents read to you? Before bed, did they read to you? Because I believe, honestly, I believe this is one of the most important things that a parent can do in the life of a child. So let me ask you a question. Do you remember any kind of the books that they read to you? Can you just think about that for a second. Because this week as I was writing this sermon, I was it was so clear to me the book that my dad read to me and the book that was so impactful in my life. It was 1988. I was seven years old. Let me save you the math. I'm 34. And this book had just come out. And it was taking, it really wasn't just taking America by storm, it was taking the entire world by storm. People couldn't wait to get their hands on it. People couldn't wait to read it. There were news programs talking about what this book had to talk about. And i got to be honest with you, I couldn't wait to get to bed every single night because I knew that my dad was going to be reading this to me. And maybe he'd read for 10 minutes, 15 minutes before he fell asleep what we called chest reading, the book across his chest. But for me, for my money as a 7-year-old, this book had it all. This book talked about adventure, talked about exploration. it had England in it. there were there was like dancing and there was feasts. what else did it talk about? I mean, it ink. I said England, it had the ocean. It talked about like the wealthy of the wealth, wealth beyond anything you could imagine. and this idea of, of these wealthy folks intermingling with the poorest of the poor and just so I don't know what it was for you guys, but I remember lifting my head off the pillow and peering over my dad's shoulder and seeing the pictures and so maybe your parents read to you like Cinderella or Berenstain Bears. Um, but for me, my dad thought that the perfect bedtime reading was the discovery of the Titanic. And really, when you're seven years old, there's no better story than hearing about one of the worst maritime disasters that ever befell a man. Um, but honestly, it was a great book. And so it's not just about the stories that parents read to their kids before bed. It's this concept about stories that kids read to themselves. And, Three weeks ago, Adam asked you guys the question, do you remember the book that you liked to read as a kid? And he and I were going over this week, and he said, John, well, I actually have a copy of it. My favorite book growing up was called The Boxcar Children. And I think most of us have probably read this book. I mean, if you're over the age of 25, you've probably read this. And see, the thing is that you and I, you know, we read this. I mean, we read it in, you know, second or third grade, and, you know, Adam read it in 11th grade, but it's not a big deal (laughs) because we're just happy that Adam finally got through a chapter book. So this is a big deal for him. For me, again, it was very clear what my favorite book was. It was fifth grade. I think I was like 11. I don't really know how old you are in fifth grade, but it was fifth grade. And for me, I couldn't get my hands off of the book Alive, the story of the Andes survivors. And if you're not familiar with this story, this is a true tale about a South American rugby team whose plane crashed in the Andes Mountains, and they were forced to eat each other. So this is what I was reading in fourth grade, and you know, it's not too hard to understand why Adam loves Disney World and I'm watching Westworld, but (laughs) here's the deal. Whether it's an innocent story like The Boxcar Children or it's a little bit more grotesque like Alive, the fact of the matter is that stories over time give you perspective. You see, stories over time are so important because they give you perspective. They give you an idea of the world outside of yourself. And you know, you as adults now, you're watching the news, we have better access to TV, but back to when you're a kid. Your world is so small. You know, it's your home and maybe it's your grandparents house and it's the school, but your world is so small and that's why stories over time are so important because they give you perspective to see outside of your small bubble. They get you to see like a small-town guy from Michigan seeing these kids that are orphans that go around the country saving people and solving mysteries or as a kid from New Jersey about pushing, you know, the limit of human existence, but whatever. This is why it's so important because stories over time, shape perspective. Stories over time move us to imagine a world beyond yourself. You see, stories are so important, they're so impactful in your life because think about two mid-30-year-old men who can so easily remember the story that they read as a kid. And the reason I think that stories are so important, the reason I think that we devour Netflix, the reason I think that we love TV, the reason I think that some of us love reading is because I believe, that at our core, as humans, It is in our DNA to love stories. I think they attract us. I think they help us to learn. I think they help us to think more deeply about ourselves and the world around us. And you think that is the reason why Jesus told stories. You see, before Jesus came around, the only way that man really could know God was through rules and regulations. And we've talked a lot about that here at DHC, but the truth of the situation is that God gave the Ten Commandments. God gave the rules in the hopes that these rules would draw man to him. But the reality of the situation is that those rules actually drove man away from God. And Jesus knew. Jesus knew this. If I am going to do something different here in this world, I've got to change things. If I want these people to truly know the character of God, to truly understand who I am and who God is, it's not going to be through rules and regulations. It's going to be through stories. You see, Jesus told stories to give us a glimpse of God's true character. And I could be wrong, but as I was writing this message, I believe that the reason that 87% of the people in the Tri-County area don't go to church, the reason that so many people in this country and across the world have disenfranchised themselves and have walked away from church, I believe the reason they've done that is because all they know about God is rules and regulations. And it's no surprise that it's pushed them away from God because we have evidence in our own scriptures of that being the case. But I believe that if they were to actually hear the story of Jesus and the stories that he told, that they would get a glimpse of God's character. And that's why we want to be so careful here your DHC, to emphasize the stories that Jesus told. So we talk about the stories that Jesus told. What does that, what does that look like? He told the story about a father with a rebellious son. You may know this one. The son said to the dad, I, don't, I know that you're alive. I know that you're not dead yet, but I want my inheritance now. And the dad said, okay, it's yours. It's yours. And the son left. He went to the foreign country and he, blues it. he blew it on booze and women. And he was at the bottom of the bottom. And he had to come crawling back to home. And in his mind he goes, oh, my dad, he's not going to take me back. But the dad ran to greet him with unconditional forgiveness. And Jesus told the story about a rich man going on a journey where his boss gave his servants money to invest, and some of them did a great job. and Some of them didn't do anything, but Jesus said, listen, folks, in this world, some of you are going to have a lot, some of you are going to have a little, but it doesn't matter what you have. It matters what you do with what you have. And They told the story about a groom throwing a party. This dad, the wedding was coming up, and it was going to be the biggest wedding feast the world had ever seen. And the king said to his son, listen, I want you to go out. Send my messengers. Go out and invite every single one of our family and friends. Invite them all. Bring them here. They cannot miss this. And what happened? The messengers went out. And the invited guest said, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in your wedding feast. So the the king and the groom, they said, you know what? This wedding feast is too important to miss. Here's what I want you to do. Kick open the doors. Invite anybody that can listen. Anybody that can hear my voice, they are invited into this feast. And you guys probably know some of these. We've talked about a few of these at DHC, but... You don't know all of them. So here's what, we want to give you a little bit of homework at DHC. If we don't have your email already, I want to encourage you, right now or at the end, just to email info at soflowchurch.com or me, john at soflowchurch.com. And we're going to send out this next week, uh, just a newsletter. It's going to be talking about the upcoming events. But we're going to put links to these three stories. And I just think it's so important for you guys to take 15 minutes because these are short. Take 15 minutes and read these stories because I believe they are transformational. Jesus thought they were so important to tell that I believe that we need to think it's important to read them. See, because he knew how transformational these stories would be. He knew that they would impact not just that generation hearing them for the very first time, but people 2,000 years later in 2016 in Fort Lauderdale will be talking about them. Stories are so important, and that's why families need stories. Every single one of us has family stories. You know, it's like Thanksgiving comes around, and you talk about, like, oh, the thing that Dad did, like, you know, last summer where, like, whatever, his pants fell down. Or, like, Uncle Joe, that crazy thing he did. We all have stories, but we think a couple of kind of stories are very important. Number one, we think that families need stories from the grandparents. So if you're a grandparent in the room, I want to encourage you to tell your grandkids stories. Talk to them about what it was like growing up. Were you the first one to come to this country? What was the old country like? What was life like? What were their parents like as kids? Because kids need to know this kind of thing. Now, let me just give you a heads up because I've seen this go awry. If you're a grandparent, there's one story you're going to want to leave off, and that's the day that you conceived their parents. That's just an awkward one. I've seen it go bad, so skip that one. Kids, you're laughing because you may have told them. Kids also need stories that are fictional. So I don't know what that looks like for you guys. Maybe a Harry Potter. Maybe, like I said earlier, it's the Berenstein Bears, which is like, I don't know if kids read that anymore. Um, I actually Googled this week, top children's stories. The number one kid's story of all time, Where the Wild Things Are. I I love that story. I had like a little doll of it. They're great. I don't know, maybe Tom Clancy novels. You know, you see me, I'm not like the best judge of kid's literature. But kids need stories that are fictional. But most importantly, most importantly, kids need stories from the Bible. Kids need stories from the Bible. Now, I'm going to put something up here on the screen next that I think at first you're going to read it and you're going to say, that's it, DHC, they're finally doing the heresy, we knew it was only a matter of time until it happened, you're going to take a picture of it and you're going to tweet it out, but just hold on a second, bear with me, because I believe that kids need stories from the Bible, but here's something else that I believe about the Bible, the Bible isn't a book. I don't think the Bible's a book. Now, I actually brought one here so we can all look at it because most of us just look at the screens or on our smartphones, but this is like an actual Bible. And I know by like the definition of a book, it certainly looks like one. There's you know a front and back cover, it's pages bound together, but the Bible's not actually a book. The Bible's actually 66 different books. People don't really know this, but the Bible's built up of 66 individual books. Some of these books are just straight history. Some of these books are narratives. They're just telling stories. Some of them are poetry. Some of them are eyewitness accounts. But the Bible, this book, is built up of 66 individual books. And here's the neat thing. It was written by 40 different authors. So these 66 books were written by 40 different people. And it spans the spectrum from kings to prophets all the way down to fishermen. The other thing many folks don't realize, because we just read this in English, is that the Bible was actually written in different languages. Some of it was written in Greek. Some of it was written in Hebrew. Some of it was written in this language called Aramaic, which is actually what Jesus spoke. But what I find most fascinating is that these 66 books, written by the 40 authors in different languages, was written over 1,600 years. This makes the Bible so much more interesting, so much more powerful, so much more desirous to read. So the Bible is much more than a book. It's way more than a book. It's actually a library of stories. I think it's the best library of stories that ever existed. And what's interesting about the Bible, that while it's a library of stories, it actually tells just one story. From the very first word to the final chapter, it tells a story about this loving God who will stop at nothing to chase after his people, to do whatever it takes to write this relationship between him and us. And I just think it's amazing that 40 different authors over 1,600 years wrote separate stories, yet but together they told this phenomenal story. And today, in today's culture, whether it's Fort Lauderdale, America, or the world, there are many people that want to get rid of the Bible. There are many people that say, it's passe, it's offensive. You can't believe what you read. And listen, I've heard their complaints, and I've listened to their hearts, and I can understand why many people would think this way. But here's the thing. If we were to get rid of the Bible... You see, without the Bible, kids and teenagers could fail to connect with the mysteries of the universe and with a creative and loving God. If we were to get rid of the Bible, if we got rid of it and we listened to them, without the Bible, they would miss out on the spiritual history that is the foundation to the faith. They would know nothing about what happened in the Old Testament. They would know nothing about the creation of the world. They would know nothing about the stories of Jesus. And they would know nothing about the hope that's to come. You see, these stories... These stories that we read in the Bible, whether they're historical stories, things that actually happened, or whether they're stories that Jesus told, fictional stories, just to prove a point, these stories, we believe, they were all orchestrated and designed to give us a deeper perspective on life. The question is, all right, it gives you a deeper perspective on life, but, but what else does it do? We believe it gives you perspective on God's universal principles and truth. That's why it's so important. We have so many questions as Jesus followers or Pope people who are trying to figure out what this whole Jesus movement is about. The Bible, the Word of God as some call it, contains God's universal principles and truth. Now, here's the deal. It wouldn't be a story on, uh, it wouldn't be a sermon on stories, pardon me, if we didn't actually talk about one. So here's what I want to do. Today, I want to look at Luke 12, 15, 21. Now, this is a part of the Bible that we've not really gotten to yet, so I want to give you a heads up on what's going on before we jump into it. This account takes place where Jesus is surrounded by a group of individuals, um, as he always is. And one guy kind of stands up and he says, Jesus, I got, I need you to do me a favor. And Jesus goes, All right, what do you got? And I can just imagine the crowd kind of saying, oh, What kind of miracle are we gonna see now? The guy goes, I need you to go tell my brother to give me half of his inheritance. And Jesus kind of looks at the guy and he goes, What do I look like? A judge? He literally goes, Am I a judge? Am I a judge? Because here's what you don't recognize. In this time, when this story was told, what this guy was asking was very crazy because the oldest brother would have been given two times the amount of inheritance as the younger brother. And so this guy was clearly asking for something that was not supposed to be for him. And so Jesus says, okay. Then he said, speaking about Jesus, watch out, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. Let me just stop here real quick. You probably have heard the term parable before, but a parable is a made-up story that Jesus told to prove a point, to give us a greater perspective. Then Jesus told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down the barns that I have currently and I'm going to build bigger ones. And there, there I'm going to be able to store all of my grain and all of my goods. And I'm going to say to myself, you've plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. You see, this simple story, this simple story that was given in response to a simple question, it offers someone perspective. I mean, this story offers someone tremendous perspective. Let me tell you why. Jesus could have simply said to this guy, that's not my job to do that, so no, I'm not going to do that. But what he did was he told a tremendous story, and he made this man Reconsider everything that he had been talking about. Everything in the crowd, everything they were thinking about, this story flips on their head. Let me tell you why. This guy thought he had a simple question, just like many of us do. Many of us think that our problems are simple. Many of us think that the question we have is so simple, but in reality, it's so much more going on. It's so much more going on. That's why stories, over time, they're just not another one. They are another one of God's brilliant ideas to connect us to what really matters. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why stories are so important. Why stories are so important to Jesus and why stories happen in this exact moment. Because stories, stories allow us to see more. Like I said earlier, this guy was asking what he thought was a simple question. Tell my older brother to give me the money. And what Jesus said was, through this story, I'm going to allow you to see so much more. I'm going to allow you to see that you are actually suffering with greed. You are actually dealing with envy. You are dealing with jealousy. You see, stories allow us to see more about what's going on in our life. Stories also allow us to care more. You see, Jesus said to this man, we didn't place you on this earth. God and I didn't create you simply to amass wealth. That's not what you're here for. We created you to care for those around you. And whether you've been given a lot in life or whether you've been given a little, your job is to serve those around you with what you've been given. Because he asks the question, when you die, where does it all go to? You've got to give your money to somebody else. And if you can't take your money with you, you have to ask the question this, was it ever mine to begin with? So Jesus says, you have been blessed with whatever you've been blessed with to help those around you. Stories help us to care more. And lastly, stories allow us to hope more. Stories allow us, particularly in this story, to think about that there is a God out there who is watching over me. There is a God who's going to make sure that I have what I need to get by in this world. And yeah, you know what? Maybe I don't have as much as I wish that I had, but I know that this God is watching over me, that this God is going to take care of me, that I can have hope that there is a God out there looking out for my best interest. So as we kind of wrap up today, we at Downtown Harbor Church always make sure that you guys have some practical application because hearing stories are great, but if you don't really know what to do with a story, then it's just sometimes information. So this week, as you go about your days, think back to this message. Think back to stories and do a couple of things. Read them. As I said, send us your email address. We're not going to spam you, but we are going to send you how to read those couple of parables. Read them. Think about them. Because I believe all of us have questions in life. I believe we're all struggling with things. And I believe that what Jesus tells us, that our issues are far deeper than we realize and God's word is there. His stories are there to help us to see more, to see clearly about what's really happening. So just read them. I want to encourage you to watch them. Go have fun. Go see a movie. I saw Sully this weekend. and it was great. Just go out there and enjoy life. Go watch a movie. Go watch Netflix. Go watch TV. Share that time with a spouse or a friend. Go watch something. Would you dare to create a story? I know we have a lot of kids in the room, and it's easier for a kid to think about the fact that they might be able to write a story. But what about as adults? Would we dare to write a story? Would we dare to write a poem? Probably not. I know this one's not happening. Let's be real, folks. But I want to just challenge you. And then then here's another thing. We all have a camera in our phones. What would it look like for you guys to actually go and capture stories? Film life. Everything that's happening around you will eventually be a story. Capture it. Share those moments with what's going on. And most importantly, when you're sharing those moments, you've got to remember to live life. Because everything you do, whether you realize it or not, you are creating history. When you do things in this life, you are creating a history specifically when you're spending time with your kids. And you want to make sure that as you live life, as you're creating stories, that you're creating a history that's worth repeating. So this week, go out there and just live life. Create stories. Because who knows when in the future you guys are going to be sitting around a table with your children talking about that day that that happened. Go and live life. You see, Jesus spent his entire time on this earth telling stories. That was his his only mode to teach us about the truths about God. And he knew this. He knew that stories, they can make us, they can make our lives fuller. They can make our faith deeper They make our hope stronger. So we believe that stories over time can move us to imagine a world beyond ourselves. Let me just pray for us. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to come here today. I just thank you for everyone that was able to make it out, that they endured the parking, Lord. And I just thank you for the stories that you've told, for the stories that you've been weaving into a tremendous tapestry over these last several thousand years, God. For the historical events, Lord, of the stories that Jesus told. We thank you that they point us to you, that they allow us to see your true character, God, and my prayer... My prayer that this week, the adults in this room, the adults that are hearing this story, would spend time telling stories to kids. Because these stories are so impactful, as you've shown us, and they can shape our perspective, and they can help us see this world in a way that we never thought was possible. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.